Section 29, Part 4, Chapter 3 of Atlantis, The Antediluvian World, by Ignatius Loyola Donnelly. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Lori Kennard of Winding Roads Books and More. Atlantis, The Antediluvian World, by Ignatius Loyola Donnelly. Part 4, The Mythologies of the Old World, A Recollection of Atlantis. Chapter 3. The gods of the Phoenicians, also kings of Atlantis. Not alone were the gods of the Greeks, the deified kings of Atlantis, but we find that the mythology of the Phoenicians was drawn from the same source. For instance, we find in the Phoenician cosmogony that the Titans, Raphaim, derive their origin from the Phoenician gods Agris and Agritus. This connects the Phoenicians with that island in the remote west, in the midst of ocean where, according to the Greeks, the Titans dwelt. According to Sanchoniathon, Uranos was the son of Autochthon, and according to Plato, Autochthon was one of the ten kings of Atlantis. He married his sister Gi. He is the Uranos of the Greeks, who was the son of Gaia, the earth, whom he married. The Phoenicians tell us Uranos had by Gi four sons, Ilus, El, who is called Kronos, and Betelus, Bethel, and Dagon, which signifies bread-corn, and Atlas, Tammuz, here again we have the names of two other kings of Atlantis. These four sons probably represented four races, the offspring of the earth. The Greek Uranos was the father of Kronos and the ancestor of Atlas. The Phoenician god Uranos had a great many other wives. His wife Gi was jealous. They quarreled, and he attempted to kill the children he had by her. This is the legend which the Greeks told of Zeus and Juno. In the Phoenician mythology, Kronos raised a rebellion against Uranos, and after a great battle dethroned him. In the Greek legends, it is Zeus who attacks and overthrows his father, Kronos. Uranos had a daughter called Astarte, Ashtoreth, another called Rhea. And Dagon, after he had found out breadcorn in the plow, was called Zeus Erotrius. We find also in the Phoenician legends mention made of Poseidon, founder and king of Atlantis. Kronos gave Attica to his daughter Athena, as in the Greek legends. In a time of plague he sacrificed his son to Uranos, and circumcised himself, and compelled his allies to do the same thing. It would thus appear that this singular rite, practiced as we have seen by the Atlantidae of the Old and New Worlds, the Egyptians, the Phoenicians, the Hebrews, the Ethiopians, the Mexicans, and the Red Men of America, dates back, as we might have expected, to Atlantis. Kronos visits the different regions of the habitable world. He gave Egypt as a kingdom to the god Tote, who had invented the alphabet. The Egyptians called him Thoth, and he was represented among them as the god of letters, the clerk of the underworld, bearing a tablet, pen, and palm branch. This not only connects the Phoenicians with Atlantis, but shows the relations of Egyptian civilization to both Atlantis and the Phoenicians. There can be no doubt that the royal personages who formed the gods of Greece were also the gods of the Phoenicians. We have seen the Autochthon of Plato reappearing in the Autochthon of the Phoenicians, the Atlas of Plato in the Atlas of the Phoenicians, the Poseidon of Plato in the Poseidon of the Phoenicians, while the kings Mester and Menesius of Plato are probably the gods Miser and Aminus of the Phoenicians. Sanchoniathon tells us, after narrating all the discoveries by which the people advanced to civilization, that the Kabiri set down their records of the past by the command of the god Tote. 
and they delivered them to their successors and to foreigners, of whom one was Osiris, Osiris, the inventor of the three letters, the brother of Cua, who is called the first Phoenician. Lenormand and Chevalier, Ancient History of the East, Volume 2, page 228. This would show that the first Phoenician came long after this line of the kings or gods, and that he was a foreigner, as compared with them, and therefore that it could not have been the Phoenicians proper who made the several inventions narrated by Sanchoniathon, but some other race, from whom the Phoenicians might have been descended. And in the delivery of their records to the foreigner Osiris, the god of Egypt, we have another evidence that Egypt derived her civilization from Atlantis. Max Müller says, The Semitic languages also are all varieties of one form of speech. Though we do not know that primitive language from which the Semitic dialects diverged, yet we know that at one time such language must have existed. We cannot derive Hebrew from Sanskrit, or Sanskrit from Hebrew, but we can well understand how both may have proceeded from one common source. They are both channels supplied from one river, and they carry, though not always on the surface, floating materials of language which challenge comparison, and have already yielded satisfactory results to careful analyzers. Outlines of Philosophy of History, Volume 1, page 475. There was an ancient tradition among the Persians that the Phoenicians migrated from the shores of the Erythrean Sea, and this has been supposed to mean the Persian Gulf, but there was a very old city of Erythia, in utter ruin in the time of Strabo, which was built in some ancient age, long before the founding of Gades, near the site of that town, on the Atlantic coast of Spain. May not this town of Erythia have given its name to the adjacent sea? And this may have been the starting point of the Phoenicians in their European migrations. It would even appear that there was an island of Erythea. In the Greek mythology, the tenth labor of Hercules consisted in driving away the cattle of Geryon, who lived in the island of Erythea, an island somewhere in the remote west beyond the pillars of Hercules, Murray's Mythology, page 257. Hercules stole the cattle from this remote oceanic island, and returning, drove them through Iberia, Gaul, over the Alps, and through Italy, I bid. It is probable that a people emigrating from the Erythrean Sea, that is, from the Atlantic, first gave their name to a town on the coast of Spain, and at a later date to the Persian Gulf as we have seen the name of york carried from england to the banks of the hudson and then to the arctic circle the builders of the central american cities are reported to have been a bearded race the phoenicians in common with the indians practised human sacrifices to a great extent they worshipped fire and water adopted the names of the animals whose skins they wore that is to say they had the totemic system telegraphed by means of fires poisoned their arrows offered peace before beginning battle, and used drums. Bancroft's Native Races, Volume 5, page 77. The extent of country covered by the commerce of the Phoenicians represents to some degree the area of the old Atlantean Empire. Their colonies and trading posts extended east and west, from the shores of the Black Sea, through the Mediterranean to the west coast of Africa and of Spain, and around to Ireland and England while from north to south they ranged from the Baltic to the Persian Gulf. They touched every point where civilization in later ages made its appearance. Strabo estimated that they had three hundred cities along the west coast of Africa. When Columbus sailed to discover a new world, or rediscover an old one, he took his departure from a Phoenician seaport, founded by that great race two thousand five hundred years previously. 
This Atlantean sailor, with his Phoenician features, sailing from an Atlantean port, simply reopened the path of commerce and colonization which had been closed when Plato's island sunk in the sea. And it is a curious fact that Columbus had the antediluvian world in his mind's eye even then, for when he reached the mouth of the Orinoco he thought it was the river Gion that flowed out of paradise, and he wrote home to Spain, There are here great indications suggesting the proximity of the earthly paradise, for not only does it correspond in mathematical position with the opinions of the holy and learned theologians, but all other signs concur to make it probable. Sanchoniathon claims that the learning of Egypt, Greece, and Judea was derived from the Phoenicians. It would appear probable that, while other races represent the conquests or colonizations of Atlantis, the Phoenicians succeeded to their arts, sciences, and especially their commercial supremacy, and hence the close resemblances which we have found to exist between the Hebrews, a branch of the Phoenician stock, and the people of America. Upon the Syrian sea the people live, who style themselves Phoenicians. These were the first great founders of the world, founders of cities and of mighty states, who showed a path through seas before unknown. In the first ages, when the sons of men knew not which way to turn them, they assigned to each his first department. They bestowed of land a portion, and of sea a lot, and sent each wandering tribe far off to share a different soil and climate. Hence arose the great diversity so plainly seen, mid nations widely severed. Dionysus of Susiana, A.D. 3. End of Part 4, Chapter 3. Recording by Lori Kennard, www.windingroadsbooks.com.